Hello and welcome fellow Solbrans. Um I have I think I might have found a um someone who agrees with me. <laughs> I've recently discovered a chap called Albert Camus. His name is spelled A-L-B-E-R-T-C-A-M-U-S. And I'd always thought it was Elwat Camus. But anyway, it turns out because he's French, I must speak it in the French way, which is Albert Camus. So Albert Camus basically says that life is absurd. And he has he coined the phrase absurdism. Because rather than trying to find meaning in life, he realized you can't. Because life, because people, because communities, because governments, because societies all of them are absurd, which kind of agrees with the Course of Miracles that basically says it's insane. So they're using the same idea. Albert's absurdity, the Course of Miracles is insane. So the Course of Miracles says everything is insane. The planet life on Earth is insane. People are insane. Organizations are insane. So let's just move on. <laughs> let's not try and work it out. So Albert Camus says that there are three ways of dealing with this absurdity. And the first way, of course, <clears throat> is to step right out of it, which is suicide. And there's no moralizing from him about uh, suicide. It's just, it's just, it's an avoidance because we are born into this world to live and we're meant to live and when we try and leap out of it before our time we're missing out on the life that we could have and it's not really dealing with it and we won't talk about next life past lives but it's kind of an avoidance it's a running away from it and we can run forever it'll still be there so suicide's not really an answer Another answer to this absurdity is religion. And it's not particularly what Albert says, but this is kind of my take on it, that religion is someone else's philosophy. Religion is someone else's life experience. And all religions, whether it's, if you like, religion, as in Catholicism or Protestantism, <laughs> Buddhism, whatever, um, Satanism, whatever, or other life experience philosophies, let's say. Um, in a new age, there's lots of those. Um, and then there's, of course, there's political uh, philosophies. There's all sorts of others. And Albert says none of them's wrong. They're more of a comfort zone. They're more of a way of going, oh, life's too much. I need to... Uh, just, can I just have a rest and fall into someone else's belief, fall into someone else's idea of what this is about, and that will save me having to do the work. And that's fine as a comfort zone, something to get out of when you're stressed. It's like fall into someone else's religion, because all religions are someone else's. And at that time, when they were invented, they fitted that person. And then over the years, the 2,000 years or whatever, 
that's sort of become moderated and changed and even if it was yesterday it was invented it's still someone else's religion and so when we fall into a religion or choose a religion there will always be parts of it that go yes yeah, i love that but i love this i love this but yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. And so we end up, if we buy into a religion, so to speak, we always compromise ourselves. And we're always living in someone else's belief. We're living in someone else's life. So we're not fully expressing or experiencing the fullness that we could for ourselves. And of course, there's, and religion is, a way of it may or may not be deliberate but it is what it does is it takes away our own creativity just as much as fluoride does just as much as I uh, what do you call it in, in, yeah. intelligence artificial intelligence and GPT chat and all of those things suck away our creativity and they are religions. Whether we're injecting ourselves with stuff, whatever the drugs, whether it's prescribed by a doctor or not, it's kind of a religion in the sense that it's not our full experience of it. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as we recognize that we are stepping back from the fullness that we could have from the full life that is available to us. So there's nothing wrong with suicide, it's just that we're not experiencing the fullness. There's nothing wrong with religion, it's just that we're not fully experiencing our fully aliveness. So Albert says, well, if we've got to figure it out for ourselves, <laughs> how do we do this? And his third one, yep, is acceptance. Just accept the world is insane. Accept that the world is absurd, in his words. And just go out in it. And kind of have fun. And, okay, I'm a hypocrite here because I used to run courses helping people find their meaning in their life. Their life purpose. And I've come to see that I was wrong. In that we do not have a life purpose. All it is is this blank space. So if I look up into this wonderful blue sky here, I cannot see etched anywhere that Philip Bradbury must do this or that in his life. He must achieve this or that. It's a blank sky. It's open to me. And so I get to choose. And I get to choose in every single day. So Albert... Camus uses the word acceptance. Let's just go out into the world knowing it's not, it's, it's not logical. It's not work-outable. <laughs> it's a crazy place. And yeah, if you're on social media or ordinary media, there are so many stories about what's going on. About everything. Absolutely everything. There is nothing that is consistent or logical or follows from one thing to another. It's just madness. It's mad. And that's fine. As long as we realize we're mad and that we're in a mad world, 
let's just stop trying to make it right, trying to make it logical, trying to make it sort of fit into some paradigm. Because each day, the logic was different yesterday, is different today, is different tomorrow. Whew. Okay, let's just go out and then, what's going on? This is going on. Trees are growing up. I don't know. <laughs> Water's flowing this way. Maybe tomorrow they'll grow differently. I don't know. And people are not consistent. The world's not consistent. Governments are not consistent. Organisations are not consistent. And my kind of little addition to Albert's acceptance is saying yes. Just say yes. Whenever an opportunity turns up, and there have been many for all of us, all of us, and I remember probably 35 years ago, um, I was a, a trainer, business trainer in Tauranga in New Zealand at the Polytech there, and through the system came this invitation to present a paper at an international education conference in Napier in New Zealand. And that was about a, in a year's time. And I thought to myself, I've never presented a paper. I don't know what presenting a paper means. <laughs> and so I immediately replied and said, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> and so they came back and said, well, what are you going to do it on? I thought, oh, um, uh, what am I going to do it on? Um, let me think. I'll, th I'll think about something. And eventually I did. I thought of a topic. And then I discovered, well, I discovered why my colleagues weren't doing it. Um, they said I was mad. And they actually was, they were quite impressed because nobody had ever presented a paper from the Polytech. And what one was supposed to do is write up this paper. And it had to have references to all sorts of other people who had written up papers and studies and proof and that, all that sort of funny education stuff, <laughs> academic stuff. Um, and I didn't know that. I thought I'd just go along because I had some ideas and I used to use it in my classes. And I found that I had the best um, success results at the Polytech. I had the best student um, feedback from anyone else, any other trainer. And I also had the best um, follow-on, if you like, success in life. People had um, were able to get really good jobs or set up their own businesses. So I had a, a thing that I was doing... And it seemed to work. And I thought, well, I'll share this with some other people around the world who are coming to Napier. And, um, but I didn't know that the format was going to be so bloody boring. Um, because if you're going to write a paper, just mail the papers out and people can read it at home. <laughs> I thought, what a what's the point? Anyway, so I prevaricated and I procrastinated and did all those things. And eventually I had to write a paper and it wasn't the format... Uh, but by then, um, they'd already booked me. It was too late. They had the space and people had <laughs> booked in to listen to me. So I turned up um, with this sort of piece of paper, <laughs> literally. And because um, I had the idea that I didn't know everything. And <laughs> I was going to use it as a discussion because everyone else, it seems, thought they had the answer and they were just going to read to everybody. You must listen to me. And I couldn't quite get that. I felt like, well, if I've got an idea. Maybe others can build on it or can take it a different way or whatever. We can, yeah, let's just make it a, a point of discussion and we can learn from each other. So my 
um, presenta presentation, which I did three times because there was generally six rooms that were being, you know, people were talking and people could each three days. <clears throat> and so anyway, my room quite got quite full because people would walk past and go, oh, there's a discussion going on. That looks interesting. Whereas all the other rooms, people are going silent. It's just someone at the other end talking, talking. Um, and so just the idea of a discussion going was different from everybody else's and I tended to have quite full rooms and oh they're very uh, great full discussion and I learnt a lot and I met lots of interesting people and, and I think they learnt a lot as well. However, you don't need to know all that actually, but it's just I said yes. And I think even now, whatever, 35 years later, I'm still the only trainer from the Bay of Plenty Polytech who's ever presented a paper at an international conference. Ah, whoopee. Um, so I did it. And so it was an experience. And I make no meaning of it. It was a fun thing. And I got to learn what other people do. And I got to learn a lot of stuff. And I got to learn about me. I learned that I'm not very good at research. <laughs> and I'm never going to be. Um, so, and the same thing happened two or three weeks ago. I was asked to speak at a, uh, a Rotary Club and I said yes and they immediately came back and said uh, what are you going to speak about and I said oh um, hmm. let me have a conference with myself over a coffee and I'll, I'll come up so I eventually came up with a, a subject a title and um, <clears throat> so I tend to shoot first and aim later that served me it's throwing me into some quite scary situations at times, but I've always got myself out and I've had a wonderful experience and I believe that other people have through, have too. And even though I've done things not per the rules, not per the what one must do, something good's come out of it. Something interesting has come out of it. Something inventive has come out of it. And I guess I'm a creator. I love the idea of coming up with ideas. And I know that none of them are mine. It's just that they're all floating around. And my antennas sort of tuned to this and that. And it'll pick up this station. It'll pick up that station. And down, load, in we go. So I used to try and work out life. I used to help people find their, their life purpose. <laughs> because I was trying to find mine. And it's taken me some time and it's taken me a bit of an ego hit because I thought I had a purpose. I thought I was here for a reason. I got born with these parents and this location and this society and this religion and what non-religion for me and this education, whatever, for a reason. Nah, there's no reason. I turned up and it's up to me to give myself an experience or not. And I can kind of run away, in a sense, with suicide. I can soften the blow and make that experience less juicy, less powerful, by falling into someone else's philosophy or religion. Or I can just say yes. I can accept, as Albert would say, accept the absurdity and just go with it. Or, as I do, I say yes. And I, I think I've said... Back in 2000, I was sitting at my desk at Tauranga and I got this email from somebody in South Africa asking me if I would speak at an international conference on AIDS in South Africa. 
I immediately typed back, yes, I'd love to do it. <laughs> knowing nothing about South Africa, knowing nothing about AIDS, knowing nothing about the person who asked me to do this, knowing nothing about nothing. And of course, I went in hot and cold for probably weeks, maybe a month or so even. And I had to go and do some research and meet some people who had AIDS and find out what's going on. And I discovered that AIDS is not terminal. And there's a whole lot of just amazing people in the whole sphere of people with AIDS, people helping those and everything else. And, and I ended up with a life-changing experience in South Africa, um, speaking at the conference and then helping run workshops on AIDS or on getting over AIDS. And the amazing people I met, three months in South Africa, life-changing. I said yes. And then I went, oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to do? How? So let me suggest that the most useless question is why. Whenever we're asking why, we're always looking behind us. Why did I get to here? Why did someone do that? It's because something happened in the past and we're going, why, why, why? Instead of asking why, ask how and ask when. So when I got a, an invitation to speak at Rotary, they asked me when. When can I do it? And I had to ask myself, how am, I, how am I going to do this? And so how and when always take us forward. Why always takes us backwards. So stop the whys. Stop being wise. <laughs> Just be absurd. Be mad. Be insane. Just have fun. Because that's what it's about. So what I'm going to leave you with today is I wish you a huge yes to whatever the next opportunity is. Just choose to say yes. And see what happens. And I bless you and all who sail in her. <laughs>